Uh, what do I do? I got a problem here. Uh, <laughs> yes. Are you about to ask me? You don't have seven cards. I don't have. We don't have so seven. Get it? Oh, you can't seven. go out. So the answer is no. Yeah. The answer. So is I have can't. to hold one and discard I, that's one. That's exactly yep, the position I was in last yeah, time. Exactly. Well, he could be holding up a next complete. <laughs> We had seven. Five, so five, 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 Caliente seven, again, yeah. Ooh, it's, hot and spicy. Yeah. That's a little hot. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'll take the bonus points. Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we build and refine our way to tasty liquid masterpieces in Distilled. Next up, we help 90s teens through a dangerous game of discovery in The Initiative. And lastly, we feel the heat as we match big wilds in Canasta Caliente. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello. Ed Povolitis. Hey, guys. And Mike Grenier. Well, howdy do. <laughs> Our first game up this week is Distilled, designed by Dave Beck, published by Paverson Games, coming to Kickstarter on July 6, 2021. Number of players 1 to 4, ages 14 and up, playtime 30 to 120 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us, what's gonna be in the box? The cover shows an underground distillery room with all the ingredients needed to make a variety of fine brews, with a still and a taster that seems more than happy to sample the wares. When you tap the barrel, you'll find, and get ready for this folks because there's a lot, 367 cards including distiller identities, signature recipes, signature ingredients, distillery goals, basic market ingredients, premium market ingredients, starting items, premium market items, distillery upgrades, alcohol, flavors, spirit awards, player reference cards, and solo goals. There are also four double-sided distillery boards, 44 money tokens, a truck board, a market board, a first player barrel, a spirit point tracking board, a recipe and label board, 52 spirit label tokens, 28 recipe marker cubes, and four scoring barrels. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you if this game has a full, almost viscous air with woody notes that fade into a honeyed cream, Evan, pour us some rules on the rocks. Distilled is a thematic strategy card game about crafting spirits in a distillery with resource management and push-your-luck elements. In the game, you have inherited a distillery and are hoping to someday achieve the title of Master Distiller through purchasing goods, building up your distillery, and creating the world's most renowned spirits. Purchase new ingredients and invest in upgrades to your distillery, all while eventually distilling the spirit and sending it to the warehouse. Once it's in the warehouse, age your spirit to enhance its flavor and bottle it to sell it for major profits. Spirit points are obtained by distilling and selling spirits. Achieve the title of Master Distiller by having the most spirit points at the end of the game. Time to pour the first round. <laughs> well, we got to play this with a designer on Tabletop yes. Simulator. Mm -hmm. How did yes. it look, Evan? Great, great. Looked absolutely wonderful. Everything from just the background, the environment that they set up, because if you, if you pull all the way out or zoom all the way out and then 
scan and look around 360 degrees. You're in a you're in a in a warehouse full of kegs and, and, <laughs> other, and other trappings of the distillery business. Very cool. It looks much nicer than most tabletop simulator games. Very, they went the extra mile on this one. Mm-hmm. Now, Ed, can anybody see this on tabletop simulator right now? I believe it is publicly available. If you can search for it in the, the workshop and look up distilled and uh, download it for your tabletop simulator. Well, what did we think of the um, art in this game? I think the art has a very nice detailed and quality illustrations. I mean, they're not photorealistic, but they're, they look very close to the ingredients or the equipment, and they're very richly colored. Mm. Yeah, it's easy to tell what's what, because not only is it color-coded on the tops of the cards, but the actual items on the cards themselves usually match the type of color that they're supposed to be. I like that a lot. I mean, the cards look clean and distinct. Yeah, clean is the word I would use. Yet colorful. There was an extensive amount of playtesting. We heard from uh, some of our patrons that mm. are um, familiar with the playtesting that this has gone through. So thanks for that update. So did it show, guys? How does the game play? I, I really like how the, the you're actually going through the process of taking the right ingredients to make your brew. Like, oh, I, I need water. I need the right sugars. And then, you know, put it in a, a tub with some yeast. And uh, that makes some alcohol. And then you kind of mix it up. And then you have that push your luck element of removing the top and the bottom of your still to see what you actually got. I understand also there were characters in the game. I didn't get a chance to play it, but um, there were characters that you could play. Yeah, actually, every person has two characters they can choose from in the beginning who have their own like signature brew that only they can make. And they have a signature ingredient that it takes to make that specific brew. Uh, they have their own abilities. But but the most fun part for you, I think, Celeste, would be the fact that it has an actual historical backstory about these characters. And they're characters from all around the world, like Scotland and France. And, and for some added depth. The in- things like the ingredient cards have little fun facts on them about Ooh. that particular ingredient at the bottom. And who of the doesn't card. love factoids? <laughs> I know yeah, they were full <laughs> facts, Ed. Not just tiny little factoids. They were full on facts. <laughs> <laughs> How was the distilling, guys? Was it easy to distill? Well, it depends on what you're trying to make. Moonshine is uh, not that difficult, but uh, trying to make a, a finely aged whiskey could be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, speak for yourself. I had a hard time making moonshine when I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of press your luck in which you put all the ingredients that you need into your brew, but you're going to pull two of them out. And if you pull any of the flavor elements out, like the you know the sugar elements, I should say, like fruit or plants or grains that you need to make your brew, it'll make something different. So, Mm -hmm. for example, moonshine has to end up with no fruit, no grain, or no vegetables in it. While while, uh, vodka, which is the second simplest one, needs to have one of any of those things in it to be vodka. And and that was, to me, was pretty much the only random part of this game, was the having to take out two cards from your deck of ingredients and Mm -hmm. not be able to use them. Um, oh. Other than that, everything everything you have pretty good control over. Oh, oh yeah, and on the side of the board, it actually lays out where to put your yeast, where to put your water type thing, and where to put your sugars. So you know that you have to have at least one of each of those things to make anything. Right. I thought the player dashboard was really attractive too. So you each get your own little sort of player board to... Now, what are you placing on the player boards? 
your character that you you're playing, you have three spots for like upgrades, which could be specialist or maybe unique piece of equipment. You have your pantry, which has all the ingredients you're storing up, and maybe a warehouse where you're aging that very fine whiskey. Oh, yeah. I like that it has different locations on it. So basically, it's the locations inside your distillery. It reminded Mm -hmm. me a lot of the taverns of the, what is it? Taverns of Tiefenthal. Yes. It did remind me of that because of the layout, because you were the dashboard that you got in that game was similar in that it was the layout of the pub. And this is the layout of the distillery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did have a taste of that, yeah. Now, what about the unique achievements, Evan? There are four achievements, at least in the game version that we played, in which you can achieve them, but first one to get them gets them, and nobody else can have access to them once they've mm-hmm. been gotten. Yep. So those were, in a way, sort of coveted things to go after. Two players can actually achieve the same thing in the same round because the rounds are you know, together. Uh So if two players get six recipes in the same turn, they have to split those points. Achievement unlocked! Yes, bonus points! Yeah, and chipped into my awesome achievement of six recipes right at the last second. Hey, you (laughs) ship your bone ride on my ride. I was going for it right at the same time. You put your chocolate (laughs) in my peanut butter. Exactly. (laughs) So you had to share some of those points. Yeah, we shared them, but they round up. They split. So if it's five points, they split it in half and each player gets three. Oh. And there's a shopping element of this game. Was mm-hmm. it fun? I really enjoy shopping for stuff because you're like, oh, <laughs> let me see. I'll take the barley and, ooh, that bottle looks really nice. I think I'm going to go for that too. And, uh, ooh, I ran out of money. Hmm. Well, a nice thing too is that in the shopping, you can only buy two items from the basic market and a couple of them are free so that you can always brew something as long as you're paying attention. You can buy a yeast for zero and it gives you a buck. And you can buy water for zero, and it lets you look at the top two item cards and pick one that you might want to buy at the moment. So Yeah. Most, yep, default yeah. kind of moves in case mm-hmm. there's really nothing, no better move to make. Yep. They do sell better water and better grains and better yeasts and stuff in the market itself, plus bottles and barrels, too. Tur- turbo yeast, I believe turbo is the term. Yeast. I've never heard yeah. of turbo yeast before. But it's legit. It sounds like something out of Robot Rally or something. Robot Rally. That's a real technical thing in Mm -hmm. distilling. That's crazy. All the stuff in here was real stuff. Mm -hmm. So the tech was on point? Yeah, it seemed to be. I mean, I'm not a distiller, but, you know, the way uh, Dave explained it, and he did a lot of research on his end and brought in specialists to to consult with as well, Mm -hmm. said that this is technically correct. How, How... how it, it is how it is done how the process is done mm-hmm. yeah and it's cool because you can learn about some really weird processes that happen by some of the uh item cards that come up at the top like mm-hmm. or specialists like you know there's some simple ones like uh better warehousing or or better bottles or stuff but there's also specialists like a microbiologist type person who can you know give you yeast each turn just by developing it and stuff Oh, I love that. It reminds yeah. me of cytosis, where you can like learn what the properties of a cell are. Yes. It's <laughs> yeah. really cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Chemistry. It has, yeah. It's, I say it's as like educational about brewing as that was about chemistry. Yeah, it, it's pretty good, because I've done a little bit of brewing myself, and mm-hmm. I haven't distilled anything, but no, making my own meat or something like that, you know, I, I kind of know the basic processes. It's, it's all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it made me want to go out and get a still myself now. <laughs> I can't really do it in your house, but you know. But remember yeah, not your... to drink the first part that comes off. 
Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Skim off the top. You Don't could lose it. your eyesight. <laughs> methanol. Uh, yeah. Straight methanol. But uh, it's interesting. One thing he told us is that one of the reasons he has people draw a couple of cards off of the stack that you shuffle together to make your uh, brew is that there are parts of the mash that people use again and again, even though they could be poisonous in their in their stripped down form. When they're mixed with the other chemicals, they become something that's more reactionary that's actually useful. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury distilled. Ed? I've done a little bit of brewing in my time. It's nice to see a nod to what is actually used to do brewing. I enjoyed putting together the ingredient to craft your spirit, but the luck of the draw is still a big factor in the game. I'll dig up the still to sample the taste of this game again. <laughs> Mike? I had a great time creating strange brews while I pressed my luck. When you throw in the educational angle, I'm totally sold. Dig it up. Evan? Distilled does a very good job of capturing the art of the liquor making process. The background stories added depth to the feelings and the rules. I think this is going to be a very successful and well-received game. Drink it up. Distilled is coming to Kickstarter soon, so you can check it out there. I believe it's in pre-launch. And if you have thoughts about distilled or distilling, please let us know. We are at Which Game First on all social media. I'd love to hear it if some of our uh, listeners are actually distillers. Oh, yeah. I'll talk to them. It's a lot of fun. Hey, everybody. We just want to take a minute to talk about what's going on with Which Game First lately. And I want to give a big thank you to our new patrons that we've been getting in. If you want to become a patron of this show, it's only $3 a month and you get your own weekly private podcast called... Bonus points. Bonus points. (laughs) It's a roughly 15-minute show every week that's just for you from us and a couple of vintage episodes. Oh, yes, they are vintage Ah. now. Episodes (laughs) of Which Game First exclusively for patrons. You can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. We would love to have you join us. Evan, what else is going on with Which Game First? Thursday night is Witch Game First Live Night. We're back to playing an online board game live every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And you're invited to watch and offer comments, ask us questions, make gameplay suggestions. I know I need help. And we often play trivia with you, the audience. So it's a game within a game within a live stream. And you can catch this live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Can't wait to see you there. Mike, what else is going on? All right, everybody. Which Game First is proud to present the Connecticut Festival of Indie Games. All right. So independent board game and video game designers are going to be coming to Hartford, Connecticut to submit their games for competition. The submission deadline is going to be on June 30th. So if you want to get in on the action, hurry, hurry, hurry. If you want to get in on the action, go to ConnecticutFig.com. Connecticut fig.com and submit your awesome designs and win fabulous prizes and become phenomenally famous and immeasurably wealthy (laughs) or something you'll be able to compete in front of thousands of people right in the heart of the exhibit hall at kineticon it is a huge convention guys yep they've had a 15,000 people walk in the halls there so a lot of people from all different walks of life will be able to see your game on display Ed, what else is going on with Which Game First? 
Well, the videos for the Board Game Design Conference are still available at the BoardGameDesignConference.com. And because of special requests and uh, everybody had some burning questions, <laughs> we did another interview with Reiner Nesia. That's going to be coming onto our feed soon. And we wanted to say thank you again so much to everybody for listening. We are really, really having a great time, and we hope you are too. Thanks again. Thank Bye, you. Everybody. Thank you. Our next game up this week is The Initiative, designed by Corey Kanichka, published by Unexpected Games in 2021. Number of players 1 to 4, ages 8 and up. Playtime 30 to 60 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. The cover takes a look inside the head of a stoic noir detective as she imagines other detectives rushing through a mansion in her mind, searching for clues. As we look deeper, we find 41 mission cards, a mission console, four character cards, 30 secret cards, one double-sided game board, four action cards, and one discard pile card, 40 resource cards, the key rule sheet, eight standees, 14 feature tokens, and 45 clue tokens. And that's what's in the box. Before we tell you whether or not this game should be redacted, Evan, (laughs) tell us the rules. The Initiative is a cooperative board game of story, strategy, and code-breaking. Players take on the role of teenagers in 1994 who have found a mysterious board game called The Key. The teens will work their way through a pivotal chapter of their lives by following a series of missions linked together via an interactive comic book. The game's campaign is broken into a number of chapters, each starting with the reading of a page of the comic book. Each of the four characters have special abilities and characteristics vital to the success of each mission. Get into the rooms, find the clues, avoid the traps, and whatever you do, don't get caught by the surveillance cameras. The puzzles to solve are a series of word codes which advance the story and the gameplay. Each chapter builds on the knowledge and story from previous chapters, weaving narrative, code-breaking, and mystery into this exciting game experience. Now let's roll for the initiative. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Oh, for the beep redacted initiative. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. The game ha- on the cover has the initiative with a scribbled out word in between it as if it was redacted. But mm-hmm. when you look on Board Game Geek and anywhere else online, the game itself is called the initiative, mm-hmm. not the redacted initiative, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what it seems to be. Yep. But it, so if you look <laughs> so, at the cover, it seems like they redacted what the initiative is. Yeah. That's part know. of the mystery. You have to figure it out. That's like totally meta. Yeah, they don't want to <laughs> ruin the surprise by saying whatever the second word is supposed to be. Okay, now, guys, is this cover of this woman whose head <laughs> has been cross sectioned <laughs> show to reveal a bunch of rooms in a house i guess mm-hmm. yeah is it good or is it just weird i think it's intriguing which is a good thing that's kind of intriguing it seems like a whole bunch of things are going on and there's some i don't know spy versus spy stuff going on there it seems yeah but i think it plays to the theme that you're you're playing the role of kids playing a game in which they're assuming these personas mm-hmm. like the detective like this this woman so it's like 
a game inside the head or a story game that these kids are playing, but you're playing the kids. Right. You're playing the kids playing the detectives. Right. <laughs> you're not the detective. You're playing the kids who are playing the detective that are... Right. No. Nah. <laughs> the story inside really is about the kids. And I think it might have played better if the cover reflected the the kids. And there's right. just no sign of kids here. That's true. Mm, that's true. So that, that's the thing. I just felt like the cover did not represent the game. And I thought actually what was inside was was way more interesting. So specifically talking about the comic book. So, Ed, how is the comic book related to the game? It comes inside. It, it, it comes with a storybook, and you, each time you read a couple you know, pages of this, the comic book that tells the story, and then you try to solve the mission, and then you get to decide whether, oh, was it, were you successful or not? It'll tell you which page to read, and you'll unwrap more of the story, and then you'll read another page to kick off the next chapter. And there's supposedly 41 mission cards in the thing, so well, there's a lot of comic to read. But you can't read it. No, no spoilers. Right. Right. Yeah. You just read a few pages each game. Right. And, uh, you know, sometimes, and I think this might happen more in the future, sometimes the comic book page that you read up to the point where you stop will give you a hint as to what the, the solution to the next puzzle will be. Good point, Mike. I thought the same thing. Exactly. Now... What did you guys think of the board itself? It's a very small board. Uh, yeah, it's a very small board, and it gives you little cardboard pieces to change the layout because it's the floor plan of a, of an office or something, and it's double-sided. You have another floor plan on the other side, and they give you these little wall pieces to block off the area in, ca in case, no, well, give it a different layout. Mm -hmm. It's pretty clever the way they did that. It saves them a lot of extra pieces. You know, they have this very modular thing happening with it. So every board can look different than the last. It was interesting in that way. It, it was a very unique design. I don't think I've ever seen this anywhere else. So what mm -hmm. it is, is a board that's in black and white. It has very vague. And I think Ed say, said it perfectly with the or something comment because it's so vague <laughs> what is actually on the board. And it's designed to just give you sort of a subliminal experience of a very faintly drawn in space you're not even sure you're just like okay it's a space people walk through it could be a living space it could be an office it could be about a, a main room it could be a tiny bedroom it's so vaguely drawn and so lightly drawn that it's very cleverly designed to give you the quick impression of rooms without being distinctively rooms and that so it sacrificed interest, being interesting in and of itself, for the versatility of being able to constantly rearrange it without it seeming weird. It gives you the ability to kind of use your imagination to fill in the blanks, which I enjoyed. I'm going to play that. That's a nice low number there, Brock. It sure is. I'm going to move three spaces. You One, two, three. Hey, don't run with scissors, Brock. I don't have scissors. Okay. Choose a room and reveal up to two clue tokens. Do I have to move? You don't move. Okay. What do you got, Jenny? Uh -oh. I have a hang, a clothes hanger and no shoes. <laughs> what? Yeah, okay, let's think about this then. All right, so oh, this is that? a trap. Well, let it oh, by, snap the trap. Oh, no, by an intel action. Doesn't um, trigger. Discard the token instead of- Suck it, trap! <laughs> we played uh, the first couple missions, and Ed, what was the main thing we were trying to do? 
you're cooperatively working to solve the puzzle. Each time, you know, you have a mission card and it can uh, have a, a phrase code that you need to solve. So it had a little decipher device, a little mm-hmm. plastic device mm-hmm. that you stuck a card into. And it had like little nonsense symbols, which were representative in this puzzle. Anyway, they were representative of letters of the alphabet. And when you found the clues, it told you this cipher equals this letter of the alphabet. So you could flip the little trays over to see, to reveal it, to see if you're right about that. Right. So the first two puzzles were straight up cryptograms. They indicated, uh, uh, hinted, I should say, that there, are, there may be other types of puzzles, but I think there are all going to be word puzzles, but not all of them might necessarily be the cryptogram. Mm-hmm. I think I saw one example where they actually showed pictures, so you have to try to figure out what they're, what they're talking about just by the pictograms. And I thought it was kind of a cool angle that they told you what the different kinds of puzzles are. Like the first type of puzzle you do is a a substitution cipher. So it substitutes something for a letter of the alphabet. And they kind of explained what that means and how it works. So I'm assuming they're going to continue to do that. So it's cool mm-hmm. for people who, like, I'm a cipher head. You were very good with it, Mike. Oh, <laughs> like thanks, Like, before yeah. we even started the game, you you had gotten the first Yeah, cipher. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's some common tricks you can use to figure out certain kinds of ciphers. But we still wanted to reveal some anyway, just to be safe. But it does a great job at teaching people who have never done any kind of code breaking how to do it and what it is. Evan, what did you think of that cipher solving, though? It was um, fun because uh, I've also I've made puzzles, you know, cipher puzzles. And, you know, I've done it on my other podcast as, you know, fun interaction with that crowd. So I'm very familiar with uh, how it worked. Also, like Mike, you know, I'm able to detect certain patterns and uh and, you know, kind of get maybe a little bit of a leg up. Um, they were, uh, you know, good, good starters. Um, I was hoping also that if we had the chance to play more of it, that the puzzles might become a little less what seemed to be repetitive um, and have some more depth to them or, or some other things going on. Um, mm-hmm. And according to what I'm hearing from Ed describing, that does turn out to be the case. So I'm, I'm happy well to be. that. Yeah, look at Hey, Evan, let me bring this over. We can finish some more missions. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll play. By the way, a bit of a tangent. Do you guys think that because this has, you walk through the 41 puzzles when it's done, you can't really go back and play it? Does that technically make this a, a legacy game in a way? Yeah, I think so. It's definitely a campaign game. I mean, the, the legacy game, uh, I mean, yes, this is kind of that kind of game, but you're not really destroying components. True. Not, yeah. I could yeah. give this game to somebody who hasn't played it yet and they'd be able to play the, the game perfectly fine. Good point. Good point. As intended. Yeah, the understanding of legacy is that it becomes genuinely unplayable by anyone. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least uniquely different because you, know, you, you marked the map or made choices that permanently altered the game. Mm-hmm. So to the best of our understanding, this has none of those features that would make it a legacy game okay to my understanding uh, who knows maybe there's gonna be something that makes me tear up a card and i'm gonna cry <laughs> warning you can only play this game once you peel a <laughs> sticker off one side of the board and there's a whole other board under it that we don't know about yet Ooh. who knows wouldn't that be <laughs> i made evan mike and ed read their own personal parts of the character that they were <laughs> make playing me try to stop mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's next ed what you're reading your own part the girl in the yellow shirt yeah that way we get into the game a little bit yeah, 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 read it. It's your That's game. That's your character. Your character is the, yeah, we'll read our own parts when they it's come It's your up. game. Shouldn't you be doing this? 
Nah, I'm no good at teaching. Hey Jenny, pass the cheese curls. Careful with the cheese fingers. This could be a collector's item. Oh, that's Ed. You should have played this character. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to play? It's probably not worth much. Look how beat up it is. Just try it. Brock, maybe you'll like it. Using this cipher mechanic of this old device. It's a very old device, that flip-up word decoder. It's been in a lot of games in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, it's and the 70s. Wheel of Fortune letter reveal. Exactly. Thing. That's yeah, what it is. Basically. After playing it a couple times, it seemed to be designed for younger players, or mm-hmm. I at least thought it would be best with younger players. I don't know if it's Te- like sophisticated teenagers? enough. Maybe teenagers, you know, but I think younger, like te- tweens would probably. Mm. I had with fun this. with the mechanics of this game. I mean, the, I think the look of it was more a young adult, but I, I think the play of it was for a lot of different ages. A cool aspect of the game is that each player gets a special power, and figuring out the right time to use it together cooperatively is really cool. Like, okay, I can let you, like, ooh, there's a, a camera in that room. No, but you have the ability to, to look at a clue without actually going into the room. So let me move you on my turn there, because my special ability was to be able to move people other than me, and then on your turn, you'll be able to get it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that most of those powers, too, revolved around the fact that the game is on kind of a timer. So that every time you take an action, it uses up some time, which means the, the cards that count towards time go into the discard pile. And mm-hmm. then some actually clock cards go into the discard pile, too. So after you use the first stack of cards to do your abilities, you shuffle in those things. And once you hit three timers, at least... For the first couple of games, it was three. Uh, but once you hit those three time cards, it's over and you lose. So you got to be really uh-huh. efficient with your actions. Right. And, that, and trying to be efficient with your actions is tricky because everybody had the cards that have numbers on them. But we can't tell each other what they are. Right. And so we're like, I got something a little high. Maybe I'm going to hold off on this card for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, somebody else wants to do something lower. <laughs> I mean, and, I can't say I have a six. I have right, a four. Exactly. And the reason why the numbers are important is because when you use, there's four special or four regular abilities on the board to use, and mm-hmm. you can only play a higher number card after the card that was played before it. So if somebody starts off by playing a nine, you're not going to have many chances to use that before you have to reset. All right. And which might cause you to you know to cycle the deck faster, which might end the game faster. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury the initiative. Evan? The initiative is that kids on bikes genre, and I think it delivers. I think there's a lot of depth in the story, such as the comic book and the role-playing opportunities are there. The game part itself was a bit more simplistic, at least in the early rounds, with the series of ciphers. Um, But even so, I enjoyed. I had fun playing it, and I'll look forward to coming back and continuing the adventure. I'm going to dig it up. Mike? I really enjoyed the versatile board the mystery that we're trying to unravel, and cracking those codes as a team. So there's nothing bad I can say about this game, in my opinion. I have to dig it up. Ed? I think it's really cool. We have the element of trying to work together to play out the cards in the right order so you can get the next clue and then get the clues to cooperatively solve the cipher and then unlock the secret thing. And then you're trying to figure out what the next mission is going to be about. And so you got to a game and then a story being told through the game and you're not even sure what the story is yet. So (laughs) I'll dig this up to unravel more of the mystery. 
As a family game and an intro to Clue games, it beats the heck out of Clue. It's interesting enough and paced well, so I will dig it up for family gaming. If you have thoughts about the initiative, come and chat with us. We'd love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on social media. Hey, everybody. We wanted to just take a quick minute to tell you about something that we think you think will be really fun. If you're looking for more insight into the tabletop gaming industry from a designer's perspective, we suggest you like and subscribe to the Meeple Syrup Show. You can interact with the special guests via chat on Facebook or YouTube as they broadcast live Wednesday nights. So come on in and join co-hosts Erica Boyoris, Jesse Wright, and Sen Fung Lim weekly on the Meeple Syrup Show. Aaron, every Wednesday night from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Woo-hoo. See you there. All right. That's the Meeple Syrup Show, guys. We really enjoy it. Check it Love out it. on Facebook and YouTube, the Meeple Syrup Show. Meeple yum. syrup, so yum, 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 tasty. Yum, yum, meeple. Mm. <laughs> Sweet. Our last game up this week is Canasta Caliente. Caliente! <laughs> Designed by Phil Orbanes Sr. Published by Winning Moves Games in 2000. Number of players, two to six, ages seven and up. Playtime, 60 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in the box. The cover of the box shows a stylized flamenco dancer swirling her dress in a flourish of yellow and purple. Inside, you'll find 112 cards and a deluxe rotating card tray. And that's what's in the box. <laughs> D-Lux. <laughs> well, we, before we don our flamenco shoes and tell you if this game is hot, 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 Kevin, <laughs> fan out some rules for us. All right. Canasta Caliente is Canasta. Canasta is a card game where you make books. That's three of a kind, four of a kinds, and so forth. And you play with a partner, like Bridge, like you do in Bridge. And we love Bridge. You lay down three of a kinds or greater, and your partner can add to that book. Discarded cards can pile up, and then players can choose to take the entire discarded pile into their hand. Mm. Mm. But there are wild cards as well. Wild cards can be used to segment the discarded pile into sections, limiting the discards that you can take. And you play to 5,000 points. But this is Canasta Caliente, which means that in addition to the traditional Canasta game, there are special cards with with added bonus points and also, Mike, negative points. (laughs) Okay, so as Evan uh, and Mike indicated, we played the deluxe version, Mm -hmm. which had the spinning card tray. (laughs) It came in handy. Yeah, for sure. They always do. <laughs> it was interesting because they had it set up so that you can, you know, had little thumb spots to pull up the whole deck with, but also there was a cutout on the side because sometimes you have to have some cards sideways in the deck. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. where the wild card comes in. You can segment that Freeze. discard pile using wild cards. Much to, I don't even know, this is embarrassing to admit <laughs> about all of us, but none of us had ever played Canasta <laughs> that is before right. we played this game. I mean, I heard my grandmother once talking about a Canasta <laughs> club, or you know, so it's it's you know it's a little before our time. I mean, we're no it spring was, chickens, yes. but from from the back of this box, okay, I learned that Canasta was 
taking the country by storm in the Which 1950s. Country? The 50s. <laughs> yeah. Which country? And I just want to take a minute to read the first paragraph, may I, of the back yes. of this box? Oh, please Because do. a shout out to the copywriter who went above and beyond in this box. <laughs> I mean, I have never read anything so sharply, sharply gushing about something. All right, so about a product. So, be bold, feel the heat. <laughs> Canasta Caliente is the hot, hot, hot rummy game with Latin flair and a bossa nova beat. Born in South America, ole! <laughs> Set the U.S. on fire, Woo. 1950s craze. Smoldering, wow. period. Reborn, period. Ready for you, period. Wow. Where can I get some? I know. Like, do we even need to say anything more about this game? It can't get any two. better than that. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, wow. I mean, okay. Before we get to whether the Caliente twist on mm. Canasta is worth this whole deal, getting this whole special box, uh, what did we think of? Let's start with the look. What did we think of the look of this game and the cards? I mean, it, it's kind of interesting, almost like screen printed. No. Animals or characters, guitars, or butterflies, toucans, fish. Yeah, all kinds of random stuff. No more than two colors per card. One I color. Like that. Well, there's a background color and the and the black. The images. Yeah. yeah. Now they had like red. The guitar was like two shades of red. Oh, or was like, it two yeah. shades? Uh, yes, yeah. right, hard right, to right. See. Okay. Yeah, the toucan was green, but it was like green and white with different shades of green and stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a- hey, Honestly, something was charming to me about that art, though. I kind of liked it. It looked like an ink, like rollover piece of art, mm-hmm. like, or like you said, a screen print. It was, it was very old fashioned, but it didn't seem lazy. Mm-hmm. You uh, know, right. and it could have been lazy. I mean, what was that golf game we played last week? Oh, uh, uh, nine. play nine. Play nine. Yeah, play nine. Anybody? I mean, that yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was lazy. It was interesting. The color choices here are actually informative as well, because the green cards are worth five points. The red cards are all worth ten points. And then the negatives were all kinds of colors, right? <laughs> were they yeah. the chili peppers? They were the chili peppers. Hot, hot, caliente. hot. <laughs> I don't know why caliente cards were negative one hundred. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, the twist is you lose points. That's the twist. Yeah, yeah what yeah. a great twist. <laughs> there was the bonus plus 100 point cards too, which was like a basket for some reason with 100 points. Oh, there, yeah, there are four bonus point cards in there. Yeah. So, so yeah. do you think they needed to do that for game balance against the Caliente cards? Well, because of the randomness, it'll make the balance even worse in some cases because then you're, you know, one team could slap down all four 100 bonus points and get 800 points or something like that because if you get them all, right. you get bonus. And one team can get stuck with three Caliente cards and be minus 300. And the, so. Yeah, and the game knows that. The game mm-hmm. acknowledges it in the rule book that the swings are crazy mm-hmm. in this game. <laughs> Ole. The swings are Caliente, muy calor. <laughs> yeah, Caliente, the hot, so. hot, hot. <laughs> Yes. Thank you, Moe. Wait, we don't have seven, so. Stop. Yeah. Oh, that's stop. Stop. Right. Okay. Oli stops. Oh, that's Caliente. Caliente and stops. That is the stinkiest discard pile ever. Oh, God. This game is fascinating. That is pretty. That is pretty it is fascinating. <laughs> 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 it's the job.
I, I gotta say, it's crazy picking up that pile of dick cards. Like, oh, yes. I want to get the whole pile of cards. Yes, please. Come all right, so <laughs> that's the thing. The one aspect of this game I think we all recognized was picking up the discard pile a la rummy. Because yes. Canasta is essentially a rummy game. Right. So, Ed, you could end up picking up like 30 cards at once. What are you going mean, to do with I all those cards? It's like everybody, and, and there, the Caliente card was in there, and then people are basically daring me to pick up that <laughs> Caliente card with the, to get all the stuff that was underneath it. And I'm like, you know what? So what? Grabbing <laughs> it all because I knew I had in my hand stuff that works with the things underneath, and I can mm-hmm. put down half of, my, half of that pile right off the get-go. Yeah. yeah. You were fearless. Yeah, well, that's he wasn't really that fearless because they had like three quarters of the of the bank of the sets already out on the on the table. So, and mm-hmm. that's part of the luck of this game. You have to have a threshold of a certain amount of points. I think it was fifty points to play out your first hand. So yes, you could be stuck with ice. just a, yep. if yeah. So if your partner has half of them and you have half of them, you can't get them out on the table until you draw into it. Yeah, but I'll take Ed as my card partner any day of the week. I mean, <laughs> the dude knows how to use the deck of cards. And, yeah, that's true. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> if you just remembered that the game, I think, Mikey, if you had just remembered the game was rummy earlier, I think you would have been doing the same thing. And I mean, I think given two or more turns, two or more times playing this game, yeah. you would have been grabbing every freaking pile you could. Well, I would have grabbed them if I could have, but I didn't have any, I couldn't use any of the cards because, like I said, you know, I have to, you have to have triplets and there's no runs. It's just like, if I, have, if I don't books. have three aces, I can't. Only, book. only, right. books. only yeah. books. So if you don't have the book in your hand, even including the top discard, you can't grab the pile. So I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. If you have the ability to go out, you have to ask your partner permission to go out, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no, no. You don't have to ask permission. But well, if you do ask permission, you have to adhere to the answer. That was the thing, which is crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But you, you kind of get it because you could be holding a fishful of cards. Oh, yeah. And any right. card you have in your hand at the end, uh, negative point. Oh, yeah. yep. And that's the problem. Cause Evan asked me permission to go out. And I was like, well, no, I have like 200 points worth of cards <laughs> in my hand. So, no, I do not <laughs> give you permission. <laughs> yeah. So it pays. It pays to ask. Mm-hmm. Most of the time. Most yeah. of the time. <laughs> Except the, the only bad thing about asking, it's great because you share information between team, between mm-hmm. your partner, but you also give information to the other team by asking. So I feel like, though, mm-hmm. you should always ask rather than not asking because, you know, you will get that information. And if your part, you know, if your partner says no, that means it's going to be horrendous if they, if they fail, you know. I don't remember Ed asking permission to go out. I think he just went out. Ed, you can do whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) There is a very large element of risk here, and it is a bit random. And I honestly think the Caliente part, guys, makes it worse. Because (laughs) it it takes away some of the skill. And that's not something we want with a card game, is it? Well, actually, I I feel like we, we weren't using the Caliente for what it was meant for. Because if you drop the Caliente card on your side, yes, you lose 100 points, but you get to draw something like 11 cards or something crazy like that. So, right. you know, you could really turn your game around if you're stuck and, you, you you know, it's minus 100, but, you know, it's better than not being able to do anything for five turns. Yeah, and I think another rule we didn't really use, it, uh, they added wild cards to the mix which to make it easy to make your uh, canasta. But the... The wild card could also be used to make it harder to, to dish through the discard pile to make it stop. 
Yeah, that was that was a train wreck in the rules trying to describe that though. Well, yeah. actually, isn't that a rule in the regular Canasta game? Freezing? We don't know. We never played it before. Right, I know, but I'm pretty sure there are wilds in the regular. I know there's wilds in the regular Canasta game. Mm. I'm just wondering if they are used to separate the deck like that. Yeah, to freeze it and unfreeze it. I don't know. I, I mean, we none of us played it, so. <laughs> that is actually an effect of the regular Canasta game. Mm. And because we had never played the regular Canasta game, we could not for the life of us figure out what they meant by a frozen discard pile. Yeah. And yeah. we had so many arguments about what it actually meant and how you could actually unfreeze it, how you could use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that took us a while. But if had we been Canasta players, we would have already understood it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, explorers. Woo, let's see. Who thinks this game is caliente? It's time to dig up or bury Canasta Caliente. Let's start with Evan. Canasta Caliente was fun. I mean, we're contract bridge players here, and rummy games seem to never lose their appeal. The <laughs> bonus cards and the penalty cards, I thought were a fun add to the mix. Um, even though there are hundreds of other games I'd rather play, I can't knock this one. I'll dig it up. <laughs> Mike? This game had kind of a charming look. However, the horrible amount of luck was very painful, and the train wreck of a set of rules was even more painful for me, so I have to bury it. Ed? Canasta is an odd style of rummy. Well, the taste isn't exactly caliente for me. <laughs> it was still an enjoyable experience that I'd like to play again, so Ooh. I'll dig it up, but only... If it had the deluxe rotating tray. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Evan, I know you got this for like $4 at your local uh, thrift store. Yes. And just for the spinning tray alone, it was worth it. If you're a rummy fanatic, this variant might have just enough extra going on to be worth it. But I see too little here to bother going beyond the standard French decks to play Canasta. So... Sorry, guys. I'm going to bury this card game. Looks like it's me and Ed playing. (laughs) (laughs) If you have thoughts about Canasta Caliente, we would love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on all social media. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. Come and talk to us anywhere. Discord, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We are at which game first. And if you would like more perks and content from us, including our exclusive patron-only podcast, (laughs) just go to our (laughs) website and click on become a supporter today. And if you get a chance, please leave us a like, a rating, or review anywhere out there in the world of podcasting or social media. Happy gaming, explorers. Drink up, players. Fuego Caliente.